Well, for our communion meditation, I want to speak on Psalm 115, verses 1 through 2. And I think this is a, a scripture that ought to grab the hearts of anybody that loves the Lord. Fantastic uh, verse. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory, because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? Now, where lust is self-centered, biblical love is centered on the object loved. It wants the best for the one that it loves. Uh, even when the object of your love is God, uh, himself, just as the persons of the Godhead have an outgoing love to each of the other persons of the Godhead and want to glorify the other persons, the author of this psalm, Mordecai, wanted to glorify God even in the midst of bringing his petitions uh, before the Lord. It grieved Mordecai to see the Persians blaspheming God's name, and yes, they were about to destroy the Jews, and uh, yet they were... Uh, acting in a way that was robbing God of his glory. So when they're bringing their requests, or when Mordecai is bringing his request, yes, it does meet his needs, but it's meeting his needs in a very God-centered way. And I think this is just a fantastic model for how we ought to pray. Every prayer that we offer up to God uh, really should be focused on glorifying God and seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. So when you pray for a car, an automobile, it really ought to be with the desire, Lord, if I can better serve you, and I think I can, and I can better pursue your kingdom and your righteousness with this vehicle, would you provide this vehicle? It's a God-glorifying kind of a prayer. Lord, if I could serve you better by having a spouse, would you please give me a fantastic spouse? Uh, okay, it's a God-glorifying prayer. Uh, so it may seem like a subtle difference, but it makes a world of difference. Now, it's not as if Mordecai didn't have needs. You, you know through the book of Esther that he had huge needs. They were about to be wiped out. But he had a zeal for God's glory. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. And he proceeds to give three reasons why God would be glorified if he answers his prayer request in the affirmative. And his first reason is because of your mercy. Lord, showcase your mercy. Demonstrate to the whole world the incredible beauty and the glory of your mercy. It distinguishes you, God, from all of the other gods. It distinguishes you from the crass carnality of the humans that are out there. So first of all, Lord, show mercy to us. We're in danger and glorify your name by showing mercy. Second, he says, because of your truth. He's saying, God, don't let the pagans think that you're a God who ever goes back on your covenant. You're a God who cannot lie. You are a God who loves truth and who hates falsehood. And you have promised in your word that when we repent of our sins and we call upon you, you will hear, you will deliver. So honor your truth. Showcase your truth, which is so glorious compared to all of the other gods who are false, so glorious compared to our hearts, which tend to be false, Glorify your name. This is a fantastic way of, of praying that I think we could uh, imitate. The third reason is why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? And this is very similar to Moses. He pled with God when God said, look, I'm so fed up with the Israelites, I'm going to destroy this nation and make a nation out of you, out of your descendants. And Moses pleaded with him. 
And one of his pleadings was exactly this. He says, Lord, what will the pagans think? They'll think that you could not, you were not powerful enough to deal with all of the pagans who are out here. Uh, they'll think that uh, you're a God, not of grace, but only a God of judgment. So what will your reputation look like? So that's in effect what he is doing uh, here. He's saying, Lord, the pagans are slandering your name and saying that you're not sufficient to deal with their power. We know that you are, and we know that the enemies are slandering your name and reputation, so please glorify your name by answering this request. It's a fantastic model for prayer. So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, let's make our no, uh, needs known to the Lord. I mean, this is, in, in, in a sense, this is his promise. Uh, look, I'm going to be your father. I'm going to be the husband of the church. I will provide for you everything that you need. So come to me, ask of me, but let's do it in a God-glorifying way. Let's make our needs known by saying, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give the glory. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to this meal, we are reminded of your incredible mercy, your truth, uh, the, the way that you delight in showing forth your attributes. And it is our desire that our lives would reflect that, just like the moon reflects the sun. We desire that we would glorify you, that we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And I pray that you would empower this, your people, to be able to do so effectively. And so, Father, as they open up and hold up their cup for uh, you to fill, I pray that you would enable them uh, to offer up the needs that they have and say, Lord, I give you my wife, my husband, my children, my house, my vehicle, my finances, everything that I am and have belongs to you. And if you would be glorified by granting more, and if we would be better stewards by you granting more, uh, we want you to bless us. So, Father, bless this, your people, uh, with the fullness that would best glorify your name, that would best enable them to advance your kingdom and to seek after your righteousness. And so set aside these common elements to a holy use, and we pray that you would be glorified in our partaking. In Jesus' name, amen.